I have no idea where to start with this. It's just all so overwhelming. The only thing I can tell you is that The Lord of the Rings Rings of Power is fucking great. I have not felt this excited about... I don't know what to call this. It's not a reboot. It's not a remake. A show that is derived from something that I enjoyed greatly as a child. Mm. And that something being J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Not the films, mind you, but the books. I grew up reading the books and I really loved them. I was super excited when Peter Jackson made The Lord of the Rings and it turned out to be an incredible trilogy. It might even be a perfect trilogy. And then he kind of went over indulgent and fucked things up with The Hobbit, which was terrible and just too long and kind of boring and tedious. But Amazon Prime Video seems to have nailed this thing on the head. I was watching the first episode and I was reminded of what fantasy fiction is all about. So many people are trying to do that now because of the success of Game of Thrones. But they seem to use fantasy as a setting to tell these other metaphorical tales of present-day society or politics or whatever. Game of Thrones did it. House of the Dragon is similar. The Witcher leans into the fantasy element a little more, but The Witcher isn't as accessible, I find. Meanwhile, The Rings of Power, which is supposedly based on the appendices and kind of adjacent works that J.R.R. Tolkien wrote around Middle-earth, seems to find this great balance of doing the fantasy thing but also making it slightly more accessible to the non-geek audience, I feel. I think that if you're not a fantasy person, I think coming into Rings of Power is actually harder than Game of Thrones. For sure. Totally agree. Or House of the Dragon. Yeah, because Rings of Power is very high fantasy. It also doesn't have the sex, incest, and violence to get you titillated. Yeah, it it doesn't have that as their opening gambit to make sure you tune in and watch. But I think you're right. Rings of Power is... We're going to use the term quite often, or I'm going to use the term quite often. Rings of Power is high fantasy. It's a fantasy TV show unlike a fantasy TV show you've seen in the past. I want to say probably the last, off the top of my head, the only real fantasy TV shows would be something like Hercules and Xena Warrior Princess. The ones that really leaned into the fantasy and the magic and the supernatural and all of that stuff, right? I mean, Game of Thrones has dragons, sure. No, but it's not a fantasy, right? They're almost a set piece more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. So I was talking to friend of the show Nick Dorian earlier and I referred to Game of Thrones as succession but politics and with dragons but not as funny either they're not concerned with the lore of the dragons it's not concerned with the raising of dragons is not concerned with the situation of magic in the series and all that stuff Whereas the Ring of Power is very much elves and dwarves and hobbits and, you know, dragons and great eagles and Sauron and Saruman and and the Maiar. And it's just like, holy crap. And the hero's journey and this big, great, 
darkness that overwhelms the land only to be fought away with some great light. You know, all of that stuff. I mean, yeah. none yeah. of it is particularly original anymore because we've read so many derivatives of it. But of course, J.R.L. Tolkien wrote the definitive best version of it, which is why yeah. it has kind of stood the test of time and which is why all fantasy writers since then have kind of borrowed from and paid homage to him. For me, as I was watching The Rings of Power... This is the kind of thing that felt like an honest tribute to what he did. I know there was a lot of criticism before the show even came out from fans of J.R.R. Tolkien and The Lord of the Rings saying that, oh, this is fan fiction because obviously it's not based on any one of his books. But yet, I don't know how they managed to pull it off, but they did. It feels true to his voice. It feels true to the story that he was telling. And let me tell you, this is coming from two huge J.R.R. Tolkien fans, both Bahir and I, are massive fans of the books and the movies. And I think the one thing for me, I mean, I want to say I don't know how they did it, but I know how they did it. And it's essentially $500 million is how they did it. But from the opening shot of Rings of Power, it looks exactly like the film. You know what I mean? It's got the camera work. It's got the scale. This is not TV. We talk about premium television all the time. This is beyond premium television. Because yes. even premium yeah. television is referred to as premium television. This feels completely cinematic. The production value yes. is insane. And not just the way it looks. The music. The acting. The set pieces. Just to jump in when you say music. Howard Shaw. The Howard Shaw just does the opening theme. And then they get Bear McCreary to do the rest of the songs. It's like, wait, you didn't just get one guy. You get them both, right? It's like, holy crap. And I think all of that adds to it being a lot like the films. And again, it's also just the kind of thing where like, if you watch enough TV and you watch enough movies, you know that the way the camera moves is cinematic. The way the camera is static is a bit more TV. They don't shoot a lot of interiors, a lot of this is outdoors, you know. That image of Galadriel and her merry band of elves crossing the, well, not crossing, but on the top of the mountain, walking against the gale force winds of the storm. And it's just that shot of that, ah, beautiful. Even after the opening shot where they show a young Galadriel and then they kind of flash forward to the future and you see them scaling this mm. ice cliff. It's yeah. just an incredibly dramatic opening. And what's fantastic is both J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, who are the showrunners and who kind of developed the show, they don't just study and pay homage to the Tolkien books. They also study and pay homage to the Peter Jackson movies because they know yes. what it is about those movies that had us so excited. Like, in every one of those films... There was always that one moment where Legolas does something fucking cool, right? You remember it. Mm. You yeah. remember it. You remember when the way he jumps on that horse. Like, that is the scene that you will never forget. That is the scene in the cinema where everyone was whooping and hollering, right? They know that. And within the first 10 minutes of this, Galadriel does something fucking cool against a snow troll. And you are like, God damn, that is nice. For me, the one thing that I was, I was kind of taken aback by was how... We haven't seen Sauron in full glory. We sort of see a silhouette of Sauron. And it's very much like Peter Jackson Sauron, you know? I love that J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay are not ignoring the films. 
the language of design of the Elvish stuff feels very similar to the Lord of the Rings, the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings designs, right? So the language, the design language, the art language, the 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 camera work all flow in from the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings from what, 20 years ago now? It feels like a connective piece. It doesn't feel like, oh, this is I'm doing my own thing. I do I'm ignoring the the movies. No, it just feels completely one in the same. It feels very similar to what Paramount did with the Trek franchise. So like when you watch something like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, even though it's set so many years after the original Star Trek, and of course our mm. CGI and technology has improved, and so you don't want janky looking ships anymore, they somehow keep the design elements uniform with what came before, but at the same time upgrade it, right? So it looks so much cooler and so much better. And of course, when you have the kind of money that they have spent on this thing, then it's bound to look this good. I mean, this thing is also a reminder that New Zealand is just the most beautiful place on the planet. La. I mean, every time they're walking around, you're like, that's not green screen. That's just fucking New Zealand. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think setting it in the second age is very smart because obviously this is not 200 years before Game of Thrones, like House of the Dragon is. This is thousands of years before. I saw a meme that had two photos of Galadriel, which is the the child Galadriel and then the film Kit Blanchett Galadriel. And it's like the time between these two images is 8,447 years or something. I'm like, huh. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And having it be thousands of years before, one doesn't create that expectation of cameos or cool things or cute things, right? That people are trying to look for. And that I think gives them the space to breathe and try and tell their own story. And of course, in telling their own story and not having it based on a specific Tolkien novel means that. I don't know about you, but for me, it's exciting because I don't know what's happening. Like, at the end of episode one, I don't think this is a spoiler, this mysterious guy falls from the sky and I'm sitting there at the end of episode two and I'm still like, who's the guy? Who's this guy? I have no idea who this guy is. Like, I don't even, I have no clue, right? And I think the problem with making something like Fire and Blood, House of the Dragons based on Fire and Blood, and of course, Game of Thrones, is that if you are a reader of the novel and you're a fan of the fiction, you are waiting for them to hit those checkpoints. Like it happens with Sandman, it happens with Star Wars, and then you like point at the screen and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah they did it, they yep, did it. And know, then when I they know, don't get, do it... I get that reference. Yeah. yeah, and then when they don't do it, you're disappointed. But this feels like you've borrowed from something established. You've crafted something that you, some people can call fan fiction, sure, but it's so true to what Tolkien did that it feels comfortable. It feels like home. It feels... Yeah, I just love this show. I think it's it's worth pointing out that if if you're not a reader of Tolkien, if you if you've not read The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings, number one, you absolutely should. But number two, outside of those two books, we're talking about the Silmarillion. We're talking about all the other stuff that he wrote around Middle Earth. They're essentially history books. There are no story threads. They're not. You know, there's not a character movie going from A to B to C. There's no hero's journey. There's no journey. It's essentially fucking history book. Yeah, they're not adventure stories. They're not adventure stories. They're not narratives, rather, right? They're not one narrative pieces. It's uh, here is the story of Elrond's father and his twin brother who becomes human. Here is the story of Aragorn's father Isildur and his journey. So they're not... 
they're not narrative stories. And I think in that instance, I take offense with people who call this fan fiction because it's like it's making a film out of a piece of history, right? Of course, you don't know what they said in that conversation. But number one is fiction. Number two, the books never said what they said anyway. So it doesn't matter. Which is the same with House of the Dragon and Fire and Blood. So Fire and Blood is George R. R. Martin's history of the Targaryens. And there is no epic quest adventure type thing happening in that book. It is a massive book that tells you, yes, Aegon did this. And then this happened and he captured these lands. And so what the HBO people have done is take that history and make historical fiction out of it. Yes. Which is exactly what J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay are doing with The Rings of Power. Also, we have to say it is directed by J.A. Bayona who did the first two episodes, who was responsible for one of the Jurassic World movies, and also, actually, one of my favorite films in recent years, uh, A Monster Calls, which was a smaller indie film, but it was one of those movies that I saw in the cinema three times, and then I was crying every single time. It is just such a great Mm. film. But I think he, too, has such a great eye, and he doesn't... There were a lot of stories about how Peter Jackson was in no way involved with the production of this. But everyone else who was involved in the production of this does not ignore everything he's done. And J.A. Bayona kind of pays homage to that. He films in that style. And like you said earlier, Bahe, it just, it feels like it's of a piece. I don't know what the big deal is with regards to, oh, Peter Jackson was not involved in this. Peter Jackson was not brought in to consult. Why would you bring him in? This series is set. 5,000 years before it is. So so he's not the perennial gatekeeper of Lord of the Rings. So why does Peter Jackson's opinion matter, right? I think that was a little bit of media wind-up. Oh, for sure. It was the media stoking the flames, right? It's the same way they always stoke the flames going, oh, you know, George Lucas knew nothing about this series and he had no hand in it. Or sometimes they're like, George Lucas was on set. Oh, what does that mean? I mean, like, he just visited the damn set, lah, you know? You have to accept the fact that Star Wars is no longer belongs to George Lucas, lah. Get the fuck over it, you know what I mean? Exactly. Towards the end of, actually, you know, at the end of episode two of Rings of Power, I turned to my wife and I said, I finally get what all those people who were so excited after the first couple of episodes of Game of Thrones, I get what they're feeling. Because for probably the first time, this is my fandom? Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, you you got you got the Sandman. Okay, they fucked up Cowboy Bebop. You got Invincibles Grr. because you read the comics and you love the comics and you read Game of Thrones and you love Game of Thrones and you've had all these little things. But for me personally, my one other fandom has been Green Lantern and they fucked that up really badly, right? <laughs> so so for them, for J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay to do the Rings of Power right, I finally get it because I spent the next three hours after episode two just watching all the videos on YouTube, like the history of the Mayars and the history of Middle Earth and all the little things and just the rabbit hole and, you know, the one hour lecture from a from a doctor of Tolkien books. I'm just like, yeah, give me all of that stuff because I now get what everybody else was talking about. I had forgotten how much I loved The Lord of the Rings. Like, 
Mm. It's one of those things that were made into movies and I watched the movies over and over again when they came out. I was very excited about it. I went to that crazy TGV marathon, you know, which had all three films back to back. I did all did that, that shit. Right? Did that, yeah. And then it was just there. It's not something I revisit. And I think also oh, The okay. Hobbit left a bad taste in my mouth, right? Yes. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I do revisit the books from time to time, but even that I haven't had time to reread The Lord of the Rings in a long time. But watching this again, it reminded me how much I love that world because there are so many other worlds that we explore now. We're exploring the mm. Marvel Universe. We've got the boys on Amazon. We've got DC stuff, the Sandman. All of these things are being thrown at us because obviously all of the geeky stuff we loved as kids are now getting exploited to market to us as grown-ups. And so the older stuff kind of fell by the wayside. And now when I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, I, immediately after watching episode one, I kind of picked up The Lord of the Rings, the, the first book again. And I was just like, oh, okay, I'm going to go through this again because it's been such a long time since I've read it. Even though it's got nothing to do with the series, I just yes, wanted yeah. to be more in that world. Yes, yeah. I, I've done the same. I've actually started rereading the books again. and That's a great sign of a good show. Yeah, I will say, look, I accept the fact that we're both very nerds about this where this is no, no, no. A, we're wait, big wait, wait. fans I disagree because dude long before Game of Thrones Lord of the Rings did that because for those movies mm. to make almost a billion dollars at the box office it meant that not just the geeks and the nerds were watching it it meant the yes. masses were watching it no and absolutely yeah, yeah, at yeah. the time everyone went and bought the books and then those people got really annoyed because there was so much singing and poetry in the books and they were like, what the fuck is going on? This is not in the movies. Hey, you shut your mouth. Tom Bombadil's the best. <laughs> can, I, can I say, can I say, can I say, there was, there's a, there's a quick, possibly three second shot of the ants in this. I almost did up. I yeah. almost Were they the ants? Oh, well, well, ants mm, species pre, pre, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I teared up. I mean, the other thing, of course, is that it also made me remember how much I just fucking hate elves. Lah. I'm just like, you guys are so fucking boring and lame. Come on. And I think that's what's interesting, right? The, the people who just watched the 10 hours of movies think that the elves are really cool people. They're not. If you read their books, they're fuckheads. They're annoying. They're absolute. Annoying is one, but they're also just real douchebags. Yeah, they're like this elite. Real top end douchebags, right? Like, the dwarves, mm. however, fucking cool. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Can can I just say, to see Khazad Dun in its full glory, boom. Looks oh. amazing. You go like, yes, I get what Gimli was saying. I completely gets it now. You know, yeah. it's a... Oh, dude, I mean... Oh, shit, the production I value like, is just like... Ugh. I, I love the show so much. I love the show so much. All those people who are whinging about black elves and black um, black hobbits can go but suck an egg. Off. I don't give a shit. Exactly. Just like, go to hell. I have to say the cast is really cool so far. Like, if we've only yeah. seen first two episodes and everyone really nails it. Morfitt Clark, I don't know how you pronounce her first name because she's Welsh and I'm probably saying it wrong, but Morfitt Clark, who plays Galadriel nails it like it's it's there like the yeah. calmness is there the badassery is there it's like all of those stuff is there and also also that sheer determination that steely coldness in her eyes which is exactly what the Galadriel we see in the films is right she's she's on the other side of this but you can still see that fire within her 
from there and you can see where it's come from in this series beautiful casting yeah the halfwoods are cool like you said the elves are just annoyingly elitist and that also is channeled really really well i didn't miss kate blanchett or hugo weaving and i think that speaks volumes as to how good the casting is i haven't found a bad thing i mean I'm, we've only seen two episodes but so far i can't think of a bad thing to say about it. like even the pacing for me is perfect because it feels like i'm reading a novel it feels like i'm slowly being eased back into this world and there's enough mysteries and questions that are making me go who who's that oh what's going on yeah and yeah yeah i have no idea how it's going to end which is also fantastic Like I obviously I know there's going to be rings of power and Sauron's going to do shit and Aragorn's going to yeah. come and all that stuff and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know they they do sneaky things like ah uh, the return of our king and blah blah and all that sure but is that thing of like that's 5000 years ahead of the story right we're not going to see it at the season finale of this show and that's great i i think to sort of go back to what you were saying earlier about you not being able to pick up any sort of bad things about this show i'm still being cautiously optimistic i won't come out and say this is the best thing on television right now but i will say that first two episodes hit all the right notes for me as a fan of jrr tolkien's lord of the rings i think it's the best fantasy thing on television right is now. there any other fantasy thing on television I mean, right now i mean if we're counting house of the dragon if we're counting witcher if we're counting all of that stuff yeah that's i mean I'll be honest that was a pretty low bar to begin with la. I mean the Witcher mm. to be fair I was pretty hyped about House of the Dragon and I did enjoy oh, no. the first 5 yeah. episodes that we saw for sure but this is a different beast like this feels just on another level. But for me it's also the kind of thing where like after seeing the first two episodes of The Rings of Power I don't know if I can go back and watch House of the Dragon now. Yeah damn putung steam dude. I don't know how to go back to that. I don't know how to go back to people talking about marrying 12 year olds and how that's a bad thing and the fall of my family and who's going to sit on the iron I'm sorry nobody gives a shit <laughs> I've got more important things here yeah you know why it's so hard because it already happens in Klantan so that's the problem so for us we're just like ah, this one feels like an escape from reality that one just feels like a sordid reminder of what is happening in our reality yeah well no you're right i mean Yeah, I mean, I remember watching the first couple of episodes of The House of Dragons and going like, "Oh yeah, this is this is this is really nice. I like this. This is a reminder of when Game of Thrones was good." But then I watched this and my mind is just, "No, I'm done now. This is the only thing I'm going to be watching till the end of the year on repeat, you know. I'm I'm good." I saw I saw both episodes twice, dude. Like just to just to look at it. Oh, yeah. So cuz what I, I saw the first episode then i had to wait for my wife to come home then i rewatched the first episode and then went to the second episode so i think before episode 3 i'm going to watch episode 2 again you just and have to three. exactly yeah yeah yeah, exactly. yeah. cuz 7 days you know what i mean yeah we cannot recommend this highly enough the lord of the rings the rings of power you have to check it out yes the warning is that if you are not a fantasy fan this might be a little difficult to get into but If 20 years ago you happened to watch The Lord of the Rings and like it, then this is right up your alley. Even if you've never read a single fantasy book, I know so many people, so many of my friends never read a single fantasy book but really enjoyed those movies because the themes of 
heroism and the hero's journey and sacrifice, all of that kind of resonates on every level, right? So if you like all of that stuff, watch this. The dwarves are fucking great. You will like it. Let us know what you think when you do. You can reach out on all of our social media feeds, GogglerMY. You can also email us on podcast at goggler.my or send us a WhatsApp on the Goggler hotline, 012-524-5208. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Goggler Podcast. Also, in case you're concerned, The Rings of Power has got a five-season commitment. So you're going to get five seasons out of this. It's not going to be cancelled after season one. So if you're looking to wait to see if it's going if it's worth jumping into, you're fine. There's at least 50 episodes ahead of you over the next 5/6 years. We're good to go. Amazon has spent so much money acquiring the rights for this. They're going to keep milking it until they get some of that money back.